Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. I have Simon Clancy here with me. I do not have Chris Kaufman. He is traveling once again for the Thanksgiving holiday. Of course, this is only going to be one show this week because we are going to observe the holiday and Basically, it's, it's just an excuse to drink a lot on Thursday and eat way, way too much and just watch football from noon until essentially midnight because now they're, they're throwing – how many games are they throwing on TV on Thursday? Is it four? Seven, is it? Or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's way too many. And I, and I believe that none of them are, are really any good. Like, let's see, they got Bears-Lions, like, okay. Bills-Cowboys is interesting. Yeah, I mean, no, who wants to watch – Jeff Driscoll against Mitch Trubisky when they're eating turkey. <laughs> yeah. Bill's Cowboys is interesting, and that's a four. Bill's Cowboys is a good game. Yeah, the night game is Saints-Falcons. The Falcons are playing really good football, but you got to think that the Saints have turned a corner here as of late, although they survived yesterday. So yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll just kill Atlanta. I mean, the Saints are the two-seed. Atlanta got spanked yesterday by the Bucks. Their little, their little win streak came to an end. So, yeah, it's – um. A middle game should be fun. Um, yeah. I, assume it, I assume it's in Dallas, um, so you'd favor the Cowboys. But, um, yeah, those other two games, either side of it will be brutal. Yeah, and we will talk a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys later on in this podcast. But, you know, this is a Dolphins podcast, so we got to talk about the developments from yesterday. It seems like the Jets have eliminated themselves from this conversation completely. In fact, I would say that they've eliminated themselves from the Chase Young conversation. Because mm. they annihilated the Raiders, and they just have that look like they're going to win a couple more games, and they're going to be nowhere near that top five. I yeah, they've they start they've started to play well, and it's coincided with obviously the return to proper form and proper health, really, of Sam Darnold. Um, you know, and that that was a dominating win yesterday. You know, it was thirty four yeah. to three over a team that was the sixth seed in the in the playoff race, and who'd looked really good. I mean, Oakland have played well with good players. 
terrific first draft for, for Mike Mayock, contributing players right the way through that draft board, but the Jets absolutely dominated them. And look, you've got to, it's interesting. So you look at the, 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 the New York press, especially Manish Mater of the, uh, of the New York Daily News, who's been on Adam Gase since, you know, moment one, really. Yeah. Even he had to hold his hands up and say, you know, Gase called a perfect game. And he really did. There were some absolutely outstanding play calls in that game. And Sam Darnold is playing at a really, really high level. And you forget how young he is as well. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, you know, he's still only a baby in, in terms of, in t- <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of his football development. But that offense looked crisp. It looked diverse. You know, Robbie Anderson, Braxton Berrios, uh, the tight end Griffin, who just signed a new contract, obviously Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Darnold just has been outstanding for the last couple of weeks. And like you say, you give a lot more credit to Adam Gaze because they were just really, really creative. And it's, a, it's a three-game winning streak all of a sudden. And they're not that far from, from a, you know, if they win out, they make the playoffs. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. which would be absolutely... Bizarre. I, I know that was the th- that was only the fifth time in eighty eight games that Adam Gazer scored thirty four points or or um or more in his career as a head coach. Um, so and actually, it's the third time. Um, it's the third time under Sam Darnold. So it's the third time this season. You know, so that you know they're beginning to tick along nicely. You know, because what are they now? Four and seven. Yeah. You know, nine and seven might get them in. Yeah, they're pretty much out of the out of the conversation as far as the top five is concerned. And I thought it was really strange. I thought it was a game that was setting up for the Raiders. They were feeling themselves. They were six and four. They they have a real identity, which is an efficient quarterback that's not going to really light up the world. Because let's face it, their pass catching, uh, you know, the pass catching assets besides their tight end, who's who's terrific. Uh, Waller, right, I terrific. think I think you're underselling the boy a bit. I think Donald's doing a really good job. Oh, are you talking about the Raiders? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the Raiders, Derek Carr. Uh, they Sorry. have a real yes, identity. No. They, they run the ball, they throw it to their backs, and they have, you know, like that wide receiver core is god-awful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Josh really Jacobs has done a great job. Day. Yeah. I don't yeah. yeah. And, you know, they go in there, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, this, they're 6-4, and four, they go 7-4, and four, this is an easy 7-4, and four, and they're on their way because the rest of that division looks awful. And sure enough, I came away really impressed with that Jets defense. They just made they made Derek Carr look completely incompetent. And he actually got benched in the game because he was mm. just pulled. Like, I understand, you know, there's like nine minutes left in the game and you're down three touchdowns. That's not a time where you pull your starter. He got pulled because he was yeah. just completely incompetent. But enough about the Jets anyway. The Redskins did the job. <laughs> now, the it seems like they're eliminating themselves and pushing us toward number two. Uh, the Bengals almost pulled it off, but you know they couldn't. They just couldn't. They just can't can't find it within themselves to hold on to these games when they have them. Although I see they've gone back to the um, I see they've gone back to Andy Dalton. Yeah, he will start next weekend. That one's interesting. Although our schedule, if you look at it, I, I guess you could just you know forget about the Jets. We're getting killed there. But that Giant game, maybe, and maybe the Cincinnati game. If we win those two, then we end up you know screwing ourselves out of a top five pick, maybe. But, I mean, if the Jets play like they have done the last three weeks, I don't see us going to New York and beating the Jets. No, no. Um, the Giants, maybe. I mean, look, I could see the Bengals beating us. The way that we played yesterday, and the the just the just how bad that defense is. It's um, you know, yeah. I mean, we'll get to it, I'm sure. But you know, Tyler Boyd, if AJ Green is back, they've got some. You know, I mean, I'm stunned that they're doing so badly given the talent 
that they've got. I mean, look, they're not the 49ers, but they've got, you know, good players. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... Especially um, on defense. I mean, yeah, you look at some of the players they've got defensively. I mean, I, look, I'll take the L on this one, but before the season, people were saying, oh, the Bengals, the Bengals, you know, they'll be competitive. And I was like, no, the Bengals win five or six games. They've got good players. and Yeah. And they, you know, they have compounded mistake after mistake after mistake. But, you know, you go through that defensive roster and you're like, oh, good player, good player, decent player. You know, you look at, yeah. I mean, look, Geno Atkins is a potential Hall of Fame, you know, or he's a Hall of Very Good at, the, at worst. You yes. know, Billings is a decent player. Carlos Dunlap is a decent player. Sam Hubbard is a decent player. Carl Lawson is a decent player. You know, on the back end, um, big, fan of, um, big fan of Jesse Bates, big fan of William Jackson. You know, they've got players that can play. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I just don't. You know, the injury to Cordy Glenn has kind of killed them, and inconsistent play at, 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 at the at the or along the offensive line because Joe Mixon just hasn't been able to get things going. Obviously, AJ Green being out as well, but I'm I'm surprised that they um, they haven't won a game. Yeah, especially and if you look issues. at you look at that first game. You look at that first game of the season. They lost to Seattle, and the you know the Seahawks drove down the field at the end of the game yeah. and won the game. This is a Seattle team that's what nine and two. With the mm-hmm. with the MVP, probably the leading MVP candidate, uh, Russell Wilson, could only beat them at the end. That was on the road in Seattle. Then they went on the road to Buffalo and were driving to win the game. And Dalton got picked off on a deflection by Tredavious White uh, about the Bills' ten yard line when they were driving to win the game there. And you just think, no way, they're not winning four, five, six games. But you know, that's just what happens. Yeah, the Bengals just strike me as a team that has issues breathing in a game because they get in these games, they're right there with their opponent. They have an opportunity, and then all hell breaks loose on them. Mm. You know, they're not gradually getting beat down like the Dolphins are. Like no, you know, exactly. that game yesterday, you know, with the Browns. You know, the Browns got to do whatever they wanted to. It was a showcase. It was a showcase for yeah. all the talent that that Browns offense has. Really, that's really what it was. Yeah, and it was just sort of, what I also thought it was. A, it was a showcase of just how weak that roster is. Now, I, I tweeted something yesterday about how. Jarvis Landry, there were only six active Dolphins playing yesterday who were on the roster when Jarvis Landry played his last game for the Dolphins at home against the Bills, which was mm. the December 31st, 2017. So less than two years ago, yet there were only six active players on that entire team yesterday who were there when he was there two years ago. And only two stars in Jesse Davis and Devontae Parker. And the other, the other guys were, um, I can't even think now, Mike Hull, Matt Hulk. Um, or Aikens and somebody else, but you just think, "Wow, what a turnover of uh, of players!" And it was brutal yesterday for the Dolphins. I thought, I feel, you know, it was interesting to see how. I thought Christian Wilkins played very well. He got a lot of interior penetration. Godshaw, uh, well. Godshaw, Godshaw played. Yeah, Godshaw. I, I think the two of them have played pretty well. Actually, the two of them are starting to come together, starting to play well together. Um, I think they're two of the three top tacklers on the on the team, along with Baker. Um, so I think they're starting to to play well. But you, you look at the ends. I mean, Harris had a really good sack on a bull rush, but generally just didn't play very well at all. Yeah, I don't um, think he's here next year. I don't. Think yeah, so. Beagle struggled a little bit. You know, he's always around the ball, but he kind of got manhandled a little bit by um by the Browns' left tackle. Um, and I just thought, just generally, like that, like Baker. You know, there's only so much that Baker can can do. I didn't think Raekwon McMillan had a great game, um, and the secondary was 
absolute was just horrific so bad and you know i think it was a kind of wake up call for everybody that was sort of talking about nick needham being yeah you know this yeah, he guy finally, like, he, finally, he finally turned back into nick he came back to he came back to earth with a bump but you know guys avery moss just did, you know, did nothing Ta- taco yes. charlton nothing you know you look on you look on the back end i mean cross they were starting ken crawley was playing a lot ryan lewis played a lot nick needham played a lot stephen parker started ken webster was in there a lot jamal wilts got picked on massively and they had this guy adrian colbert playing um who who was on the roster earlier on in the year in the year with the seahawks um a kid out of texas but he you just like who is this dude where you know where is he where's he (laughs) come from you know Yeah. It was it, it was just astonishing to see that's the the paucity of that secondary and also, I mean we had we went into the game with four healthy wide receivers, which so is crazy, played. and they lose two of them during the game. But they had five backs active, <laughs> five running backs active, four receivers. They lost Wilson and Grant during the game, so they're literally playing with Alan Hearns, what four weeks off a concussion, and the human crisp in Devontae Parker. I mean, you know, I know this has been Devontae's best season, but, you know, if you're relying on Devontae for health, then, you know, so, (laughs) I don't know. But it was just, I mean, I I think you've got to give massive praise to the job that Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing. Because we joked so much during the the off-season about how he was only going to play three games and he was going to get knocked out for nine games because, you know, playing behind that offensive line. But his pocket manipulation is outstanding. He just does such a great job of feeling pressure and stepping up getting plays off and stuff. But yeah, I mean, that was a shit show yesterday. And it, but the fascinating thing about it was, and it goes back to coaching, it was 28-17 at, some point, at one point, and the Dolphins had a little bit of momentum. Uh, obviously, then the game got a little bit out of hand, but, mm-hmm. uh, and actually it got out of hand because, it got the, because of the deflection of Albert Wilson's face mask that, that then was intercepted. But, you know, it, you kind of feel like you're down 28-0, then it's 28-3, then it's 28-17, you know, Gesicki has his touchdown, Fitzpatrick runs it in. And you think, I mean, I put in the WhatsApp group, you know, Dolphins is you know, making this remotely interesting at, you know, at one yeah, point. And, and you and kind you of never know. You never know. You start getting, you start planting doubt in the minds of the Cleveland Browns. They might blow it for you. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. But, so, um, you know, it was coming out game, obviously, for Landry. You know, and you kind of knew he was going to have a big game. And, you know, kudos. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. Yeah. So, Jarvis yeah. Landry was buried on my bench on my fantasy team. And guess who Man. got activated for yesterday's game? Yeah. There was I just, was very I, happy to see the, the development. You I tell you the one thing that let the Dolphins down yesterday, which is the one thing that's kept them in, kept apart from the first two or three weeks, which has kind of kept them respectable, is that they lost control of the penalty game. You know, they had the least penalty yards and the least penalties in the league coming yesterday. But... I think at one point, I think midway through the fourth quarter, I saw the stat that was like they'd been penalized eight times for 95 yards, which was the highest on both um, both sides. I mean, they, they were they were victim of an absolutely horrendous pass interference call against Nick Needham on Odell Beckham, which was ludicrously challenged by yes, the, and let just me before say, halftime. And let me say, let me if if you allow me to rant on that in a little bit, Ooh. it has not happened all all year. All Ooh. year they have not gone to New York to review a play inside of two minutes in the first half. They had not done that, a pass interference play, all year. They decided to do it this time on a play where nobody was calling for pass interference, even Odell Beckham, who was asking yep. for a flag on every single play yesterday. It was also thrown out of bounds. Yeah. yeah. And it was all a of a bad sudden, day. Go to New York. Bad day for the officials. They go to New York. 
and it's a 32-yard penalty. Now, I'm not saying that the Dolphins would have won the game, or, 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 you know, it doesn't really matter at all anyway because the Browns are a fringe playoff team, and, you know, the game was not consequential. But it could have been. This could have been a game between two, six, and five teams trying to make the playoffs. And then you look back at the season, and, and, you, and maybe you lose this game by a field goal or something, and you said, you know what, that 33-yard penalty probably cost us a playoff berth and probably some jobs. So they got to get a hold of this. And I say, get, first of all, they're saying that it's a, you know, it's only a one-year trial. Get rid of it. Just get rid of it. I mean, I think what was fascinating yesterday, the two biggest games uh, of the, of the weekend yesterday came in New England with the Cowboys and came on in the night game in, um, in Santa Clara um, with the Packers and the 49ers. And you, you look at that game that Dallas got the ball with what, 219 left to go, one timeout, yes. 94, 96 yards to go. And we're driving up the field to a you know, 35, 40-yard line. And they got that just heinous, heinous call <laughs> yes. against Travis Frederick for tripping. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that you've got a stat. It's probably the same stat that I've got, but I'll let, you, uh, I'll let you deliver it. But it was just astonishingly bad call that essentially just ruined the game. I mean, it really ended the game. It ended the game. Yeah. Because it puts them in, you know, it puts them in third and third and long against the best defense in, in the league this season. Well, what, in the pouring the, rain. What was the stat that you heard? And then I'll give you the, mine. So the stat was that there's only been seven tripping calls all season across the NFL, and there were two in that game yesterday, and both of them were nefarious. <laughs> yes. Well, part of that, part of the the other part of that penalty is that of the seven that have been called this year, six have been accepted. Four have been against the Cowboys, and two have been against Travis Frederick. So I mean, that, they're that watching a, him, I guess, that was an for this. astonishing, astonishing call. He wasn't tripping him. He stuck his no. – you know, as Jeff Schwartz said on Twitter today, as an offensive lineman, you use every part of your body to do it. He lifted his leg up. He didn't trip him. <laughs> no, he was I mean, trying the to leg, turn. He was trying the to leg, turn to pick up Hightower, who's diving at his legs, actually. So, Frederick's, Frederick's like – upper leg catches Hightower's upper leg. I mean, it's not tripping is using your feet to trip somebody out. I mean, it's just absolute nonsense. And, and then let's you not forget flipped... that the, the previous one that was called on Tyron Smith negated yeah. a 30-yard game. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And then you flip to the, um, you flip to the late game and you have the Packers' first drive um, and there's a, a heinous um, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty against Devontae Adams when the Packers get a first down where he goes to the sideline and sort of collides with somebody um, and I mean I say pushes them but really he didn't push them at all I mean it was just horrific and, and the, the, the side judge runs in like he's Usain Bolt and chucks his flag up in the air like he's you know in the <laughs> fucking in the Olympic javelin uh, and the, and the flag takes about half an hour to come down because he's so, you know, disgusted with what he's seen. Negates the first down. Packers have to punt. 49ers drive down the field and score uh, and to go up 10 nothing. And you just think, so unnecessary. And then later on, Packers start to get some momentum. Um, down 10 nothing, And they've got, uh, they've got the 49ers in the third and, third and five, third and six. And there's a, a, a terrible illegal hands-to-the-face call with Kevin King on Debo Samuel. I, I mean, he gets him by the shoulder pad. He doesn't touch his face mask. Automatic first down. Oh, actually, it was a third and 15. Automatic first down. 49ers drive down the field, score 17-0, and pretty much game over at that point. You just think, that is absolutely ridiculous. And this is costing people's jobs. This is, you know, 
It's getting worse, Instant Replay, not better. No, no, they they have to get rid of this thing. They have to get rid of this uh, replaying, uh, you know, the challenge, the coach's system of challenging for these pass interference calls. First of all, everybody's just wasting their timeouts because they're never going to reverse any of the ones that they need to reverse. And then they're just they're inventing some of the ones that they that that they're reversing. Like the one against the the one against Nick Needham was a joke. It was absolute joke. Yeah. So like I not, totally get I totally get the reason that they brought it in last season for the yeah. horrendous call in the NFC Championship because ultimately that cost the Saints a trip to the Super Bowl. I mean, imagine yeah. being a Saints fan, and you know, imagine that happening. Uh, and but that's not the fault of replay. That was the fault of the of the side judge and the the back judge or the umpire whoever it was that were responsible for that play because they didn't see it he froze and, and he how, absolutely yeah. froze because you can see I mean, he's how, looking at the play you have one job that is a pass interference call all day every day uh, you know and that should uh, you've got to be able to eliminate those sorts of things and i, to- I totally take human error and, and human error in the biggest moments but I mean, come on. But the game just can't be... You can't have these nefarious calls like Nick Needham had yesterday. And it's not homerism at all. Like you said, Odell Beckham didn't challenge for it in terms of you know saying there was a flag. The ball was thrown out of bounds. There was plenty of kind of jostling and grabbing, but it happened with both sides. It, it, it was just a, one of those plays. It certainly wasn't pass interference. And it wasn't like the Browns fans were even calling for it. It was ridiculous. Yeah. But that that Cowboys game, and if, and if, you know, it happens every single year. Everybody says that the Patriots get, you know, they get a finger on the scale in these big games. And my God, man, you always see the call. The call always comes down on the in the. In the I'd be fascinated. Favor. I've been fascinated to see how that game would have played out if it had been in Dallas and not in New England, because I think the Cowboys would have beaten New England in in. Uh, Texas Stadium. I think yeah. uh, there would have been a different result there. Just the Cowboys speed and the, you know, and I, I, I just don't think that some of those hometown calls that you always see in Gillette, you know, and also look, you know, as much as it pains us to say it, Tom Brady is, is amazing, has been amazing. His career has been incredible, but he is not close, not close to the same quarter. I think he's really not had a very good year. I mean, he's being he's being outperformed by Kyler Murray in terms of, you know... Yeah, they put the numbers up yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly. Which kind of tells you, know, you all you need to know about Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's yeah. had a really, really Yeah, good Murray's played year. well. Murray's played well, but, you know, Brady's struggling. I mean, he's not hitting... Look, I know he's, you know... And yesterday, there was no Philip Dorsett. There was no um, Mohamed Sanu. Mm. You know, they're struggling, certainly. But... Um, yeah, he's just not the same... He's not the same guy. And if they didn't have Edelman... And God knows oh, what be they nowhere. do. <laughs> yeah, be nowhere. Now we'll say this: that weather was horrendous. Okay? It was horrific. Yeah. Okay, because one of the most prolific connections this year, they've been unstoppable, and they've been unstoppable against everybody. Okay, and I thought that they got a fair shake as far as a challenge, even against the Dolphins, because Xavier Howard was healthy, and they absolutely destroyed Xavier Howard. And I'm talking about Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper was held catchless yesterday. He, I mean, he was he, he was held out of the game for portions of it. I mean, he was just on the sideline. It was like a, almost like a healthy scratch. It was bizarre. Yeah, yeah they, they were just keeping him on the sideline. Like, you know what? You're, you're useless out there against this guy. This guy, I, I just think you breathe. just Stefan Gilmore just stole his soul. Yes, you know? he is I just mean, so good. That guy is mate, so he is, good. He's incredible. I mean, he's the best cornerback in the NFL for the past three seasons. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't allowed a catch for three weeks. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Hilariously, yeah. hilariously, a, a friend of mine is a big Patriots fan, and he messaged me to say that he was Pro Football Focus's thirty-third ranked cornerback in the NFL this season. 
He's just like, come on. This yeah, is like, okay. Gu- this- Find me 32 more. I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Nick, Need- Nick Needham was probably rated higher than... Um, <laughs> Nick Needham was the fourth highest rated rookie from Pro Football Focus. Nick Needham. <laughs> wow. So that yeah. means he's in the rookie of the year. Combo, I mean, huh? must be. Must be. But yeah, imagine Gilmore being rated as the 33rd best corner in the NFL. I mean, that is jokes. Yeah. But yeah, the Cowboys, I don't know what to make of the Cowboys. I don't know what to make of that the entire division because the Eagles got manhandled by a yeah. good Seahawks team. But I mean, know. to be fair, the Seahawks should have won that. I mean, that game should have been out of sight for, you know, the, the Eagles defense is playing really well. But Carson Wentz has fallen off a cliff. Yes. You know, I, 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 I don't know what's happened to him post it because actually this is now, this is now almost a season's worth of, you know, you take back in the last season, this, this is almost a season's worth now of very indifferent play from him. Mm-hmm. Um, not the back end of the last season, the early portion of last season before he got injured and then all of this season. It's, it, it's very, you know, and they're also lacking in, you know, they lack real speed. Wide receiver-wise, they're really struggling. JJ Arcega-Whiteside hasn't performed at all there's no speed on the i mean that's what they need to do in the off season is improve in their speed um but look you, you i'm always looking for you always look for those teams in sort of late november early december who just start to you know maybe have gone sort of i don't know four and four or five and four at this point of the year and are just starting to pick up three or four or five wins and get them to you know seven and four or eight and you know mm. there's not that many teams you know you've got the kind of you get the saints who are obviously you know really good and defense is decent and Michael Thomas is great and even though Drew's arm doesn't look great, Drew's arm strength doesn't look great, much as Brady's doesn't look great. You look at the Packers, decent but flawed, kind of lacking a second receiver. Jimmy Graham's such a pussy at tight end. I mean, a six foot seven tight end who, yeah. who you know couldn't out jump a five foot eleven Jimmy Ward on that incredible pass from Rogers. And their think, defense for the first time in a while has yeah secondary looked, the last few weeks. Secondary look flawed. And you, you look what happened when they took Darnell Savage out of the game. He's been really good as a rookie. And then George Kittle scored that sixty four yard or 65 yard on the very next play um and that you know they just got shredded they got absolutely shredded and um you know you look how look, you know seahawks are good but flawed you know chris carson can't stop fumbling dk metcalf you know is is their wide receiver talent and that you know as it has been for years it's a bunch of guys on the offensive line and a bunch of guys at the skill positions mm-hmm. you know rashad penny scored a long touchdown but they can't trust him in the game very much because he still doesn't understand the offense and they have, and they kind of have like mistakes. the roles revo- reverse with tyler lockett doing all the dirty work and dk metcalf as the deep threat yeah although lockett's injured though isn't he look at yeah he's, he's been he's out for a couple yeah. of yeah 49ers look i mean as mad as it is to say it the 49ers look the most well-rounded team in the league at the moment yeah their defense is unbelievable i mean look you've got sherman you've got sherman who's the hall of famer they're playing with five DBs all the time. Jakiski Tart and Jakiski Tart and, and, and Ward are playing brilliantly. They got Akello with a spoon back yesterday. He played really well. Fred Warner is just a, such a good player at linebacker. He's such a good player. But the kid from Arkansas, the, the rookie's playing really well. But that front four, front five, front six, that defensive DJ Jones came in and just was, you know, wrecking that. And that Packers offensive line is really, really good. Yeah. Really good. I mean, Bakhtiari is probably the best left tackle in the game. Um, and he was getting, you know, he was getting abused at times. Just saying that Bosa, Armstead, the kid out of Stanford, DJ Jones. I mean, they were just DeForest Buckner. They were just taking the Packers to pieces yesterday. Uh, and offensively, Jimmy seems to have got his, you know, the ACL kind of. It feels like it's, 
you know, he's got his legs back under him a little bit, for want of a better term. Debo Samuel coming to the fore at the right time. Emmanuel Sanders was such a great pickup. Kittle's the best tight end in the, in the NFL. And that run game is so good. You know, you've got Tevin Coleman, then you bring in the kid yeah. that was the, the special teams guy who busted off the big run last night. You've got um, the other guy whose name completely escapes me. And you're still waiting for the best one, Matt, Matt Breeder, to come back from... Uh, you're waiting for Breeder to come back from injury. Mm-hmm. Because before Breeder went out, they were just busting. I mean, it was just run, 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 run the whole time. It's like Coleman comes in for a series, then Breeder comes in for two, then it's, you know, a most. That's right, yeah, a most that comes. I mean, it's just like, and the, and all of them can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. It just makes them so versatile. Shanahan's such a great play caller, but you're looking for that team that's kind of coming out the pack, and it doesn't, you know, the Tennessee Titans, you know, three game win streak, they've won four out of the last, they've won five out of the last six with Ryan Tannehill at the helm. And trust me, I watched a lot of that game yesterday. And Ryan Tannehill looked absolutely spectacular yesterday. I've seen their last two games, and he's looked – I mean, the game that he won at the end where he drove it down the field, threw the winning touchdown, and then scored the, the winning two-point conversion himself where he just bullied somebody over the, line, over the goal line. He played brilliantly in that game. Yes. He was excellent yesterday. I mean, he's accurate. I mean, what they're doing, they're just getting him out. On the, they're rolling him out. They're getting him out on the perimeter. He's throwing on the run. He's running. He looks confident in the knee. He looks big and healthy and strong and – you know, he doesn't seem to throw a bad pass. He's got a great kind of connection with, with AJ Brown, Corey Davis and him getting on well. The two tight ends are playing with Johnny Smith. And uh, and then they've got that just monster running back. They've got the two big tackles. Uh, and Derek Henry's just, you know, Derek Henry's just And Deion just Lewis is healthy now and they're throwing Deion Lewis, more. exactly. And that defense is really good as well. You know, the defense is excellent. You look at like Kevin Byard, one of the most underrated players in all of football, you know, absolutely dominating on that back end. And they get into the quarterback and... You know, there's a team that you just think, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but, you know, there, there might be a team that could put something together. Yes. You know, you look and at, they can, you know, because if you look at their division, the, 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 the cream of that division is the Texans. And they just finished, like, taking control of the division by beating the Colts on Thursday. But if you look at the Houston Texans, like, do they inspire you besides their two wide receivers and, and their quarterback? Like, you know, what else does that team have to offer if it's not Deshaun Watson and Hopkins and Fuller? Like, mm. what else do they have? Because their defense is not as good anymore. Yeah. And I mean, the issue for the Titans is that they've got, I think they've got the Colts next weekend, then the Raiders, and then they've got the three really difficult games. So they've got the Titans. I think they got the, the Dolphins beat the Colts. We've sent them reeling. And yeah. They're, they're headed, so the, you know, they're headed for a bad season. Uh, I think I mean I think the Titans could can beat the Colts and the Raiders, but then they've got they've got the Texans at home, they've got the Saints at home, and then they're on the road against the Texans, which should be you know that's three massive weeks for them. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to go two and one in those last three. And I don't definitely, know if they can do that. I don't know if they can definitely. Do that. That's that's a tough chore for anybody to to pull off. Yeah, but yeah, we already spoke about the Cowboys and Patriots, uh, like. Very briefly, like, what do you make of the Cowboys? Like, is there a team? Is there a team with more talent on the roster than the Dallas Cowboys? Um, I mean, I think they're a really good team. I think I don't think they're very well coached, uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if Jason Garrett is run out of town at the end of the season. You know, that the Lincoln Riley has to be front and center of Jerry Jones's thinking and you know right i mean i've spoken to lincoln riley i interviewed him 18 months ago um ahead of baker mayfield entering the draft and he told me that as he's told other people that you know he, he wants to coach in the nfl at some point you know, he's what 34 35 um i think what will be interesting for lincoln riley is 
Um, he's going to have to know fairly quickly, and whether it's from Derek King, the Houston quarterback, whether it's from Jordan Love, um, whether or not he's going to get a a big transfer um, in the transfer portal in terms of a quarterback, because obviously Jalen Hurts will will mm. graduate or already has graduated and will go to the draft. Um, is he going to get a quarterback? That, because defensively, that was the thing that let them down under Kyler Murray. It's the thing that let them down under Baker Mayfield. Actually, it's the thing that's bailing him out this season uh, a little bit. You know, then uh, they held on against Baylor at the end with that big pick. Held on again defensively against TCU at the weekend after Jalen gave up a couple of turnovers. Uh, Kenneth Murray, the linebacker, and Neville Gallimore, the defensive lineman, uh, the studs, and, and, and Murray's a terrific player. Um, so for, for Riley, he's going to have to find out pretty soon whether or not he's going to get a stud transfer quarterback um, because that's, you know, that's what he loves. That's a project that he loves. But the, for him and for Jerry Jones, it feels like the perfect meshing of, you know, if you're going to give Dak Prescott the big contract, Mm-hmm. then you know you kind of want a bit of a quarterback guru to and how to do take you turn down that job the only way you could turn down that job is if is if you feel that jerry jones is going to be looking over your shoulder but even mm. then like who cares look at the talent you're being handed <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i mean you watch i don't know if you've watched it but i know i certainly have is the uh, dallas Cowboys all or nothing on amazon prime i mean jerry jones sits in a lot of the beatings yes which if i was the head coach that would piss me right off yeah, um, but it's, it's his building. But you know? it's, his, it's his team. Yeah. It's, he can do what he wants. If he wants to fucking play quarterback, he's going to put himself in the game. <laughs> um, so I think, well, the, I think the, one of the most interesting Nobody has that, more like, fun being an owner in the NFL than Jerry Dillon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, Robert Kraft, maybe, but we won't, maybe, yeah. we won't talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, what I think is fascinating about the Cowboys is the slowing down or what it seems like the slowing down of Ezekiel Elliott all of a sudden you're not seeing him rip off the big, you know, he's not the dominant force he was in the first three or four years in the NFL. It feels like he's taken a lot of hits. Uh, look, I'm not saying he's, he, you know, he's, he's over the hill, he's past it. He just doesn't quite look to have the same, you know, he's a guy that's still going to pick up four, five, six, seven yards, but he doesn't seem like the guy who's going to keep ripping off the, it always felt like he was just going to rip off a, Two things on that. I think, first of all, his, uh, his production is down uh, basically because they're not throwing him the ball at all this year. Mm. I think he's getting two attempts per, per game when he used to get five to six. Okay, I think that's, that has to do with their offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. But you're absolutely right. He's not ripping the big ones anymore. Yesterday, he was, he was running powerfully yesterday. But there was a play where they showed like an outside, outside zone run. If he's a little bit quicker and gets on the edge, he's one-on-one with Patrick Chun. But no, he he allowed you know he, I guess he wasn't quick enough and he allowed the linebackers to flow and he turned, you know he turned what for a normal running back is a three yard gain he turned it into a six yard gain. But Ooh. Ezekiel Elliott, the right Ezekiel Elliott, could have turned it into a one on one tackle in the hole with Chung, which if he breaks it, it could have been a forty yard touchdown. Yeah, and you just uh, and don't I think- see those coming anymore. No, and I think they've struggled with the injuries on the offensive line. I mean, Tyron Smith has been, you know, banged up and and feels like you know, you hope that it's not one injury too many. But it, you know, he had some big calls go against him yesterday. Obviously, Fredericks had the injuries. Zach Martin's been injured. Lyle Collins has had a great season, but has been injured. And then defensively, the, I think Leighton Van Der Esch has, uh, has struggled a little bit with injuries. And, and Sean Lee's had the, big time. yeah, didn't they? Sure, I mean, I didn't think Sean Lee played badly, but you know, Sean Lee is a you know an aging linebacker and still absolutely do a job. Um, and you know they've invested a lot in corners in uh, 
Awuzier and Jordan Lewis, uh, Xavier Woods, safety and stuff. Uh, and but Byron still, Jones, a guy uh, who the Dolphins might target. Absolutely, and Byron Jones has been Byron Jones has been brilliant. I think you put him in the category Although he, 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 was beneath, a, he had a bad game yesterday. Yeah, he, he did. I don't think like every big third he, down there was Byron Jones making the tackle fifteen yards down the field. On, yeah, on, on a guy who was had the. He's not certainly had these. He's had us two years. I think yeah. he's fallen off a little bit this season, uh, which is odd in a contract year. But you kind of, you know, in a way, that's good actually because you don't want a guy out playing himself. You know, going into a big contract, a bit. You know, you look at somebody like Namdi Asamoa when he went from the Eagles to the Raiders, the Raiders to the Eagles, and you know, yeah. having been an All-Pro corner and then just literally fell off a cliff when he got the big money. Um, you don't want Jones to do that. But you know, Chidobi Wizier and Jordan Lewis um, have struggled just a little bit. To, you know, to to match up I think the lack of a tight end hurts Dak Prescott absolutely you know, they look like Jason. The, like the type of team that wants to play with, with multiple tight ends but exactly I don't like and any of like, them really th- throughout the time that I've been a you know this is my 35th season I think as an NFL fan you know you go back to Jay Novacek and Jason you know probably mm-hmm. is only the two of them Jay Novacek and Jason Witten you know yeah. but that's always been an absolute staple of Dallas Cowboy football. Uh, uh, Witten yesterday just looked like his hands had been like he was Edward Scissorhands. He couldn't catch a cold. He looks like um, he plays in flip flops. Yeah, which is, I mean, which is insane. He, he does look like he's running in cement. It's uh, it's interesting, but yeah, it's a real. I think it's a fascinatingly open. You know, the, the, the Chiefs are massively flawed defensively. They're they're, they're so flawed. Yeah, um, and I think and Patrick Mahomes has too much of a gambler mentality yeah. this year for whatever yeah. reason. He's taking way too many chances this year. The Ravens are the the Ravens defensively are, are, are really good. They're so strong at corner. But, you know, like uh, you know, we talk about you talk about Stephon Gilmore and you talk about that, that second tier of corners. But you know, uh, Marlon Humphrey definitely feels into that second tier of of elite NFL corners, much yeah. like Tre'Davious White and Buffalo, just one of the outstanding cornerbacks in the NFL. And Marcus um, Peters at some point is going to intercept yeah, you and run it back. Of for course. A and look, Peters can be flawed sometimes, but he can also, yeah. you know, there's nobody that works harder than Marcus Peters. And um, he's going to make plays. Know. He's going to make of plays. Of course he is. Like, That's you what may he not think he's, he's as good as he used to be, he's still going to make was, a play on you. Don't forget, first two or three seasons in the NFL, he was on a Hall of Fame arc in terms Absolutely. of the amount of interceptions that he had. He, he had a 18-month down period, <coughs> excuse me, and he's come back to Baltimore and he's absolutely, he's absolutely flying. Secondary, yeah, the, Earl Thomas, obviously just such a great player. The linebackers are so good. Matt Judon, who I just pray that the Dolphins can can prize away from Baltimore in the in the off season. Brandon Williams, obviously, um, but they're just getting so much terrific performance from from defensive players. And then offensively, that Marshall Yander looks like he's been playing the game for about 90 years, never seems to mm-hmm. miss a game. Ronnie Stanley's one of the most underrated players in the league. They've got that great churn of three or four running backs headed up by Mark. I mean, what a, what a signing Mark Ingram was. Absolutely. Three or four tight ends that they, you know, apart from, you know, Andrews is developing into one of the best in the league. But, you know, Hurst, Hayden Hurst, their first rounder is, is healthy. They've got um, Nick Thingy is playing really well. Uh, you just got guys out of the backfield that can just catch. Uh, you look at their receivers, and you're just like, nah, nah. yeah. I mean, Hollywood, Hollywood Brown is fine, but Hollywood Brown is, you know, it, it's a big man's league, and he's going to get banged up given the size yeah. of him. Hollywood Brown what's is he's uh, he's Fuller. He's Fuller. He's Kenny Still. Yeah. He's a specialist. He's Ted Ging Jr. He's a, but, he's a specialist. A really you know, good all, one, but a specialist. It all revolves around. It all revolves around Jackson. And look, yeah. it, it's he's not. You know, he's playing brilliantly, and I think at this point, if you were to say anything. I think because yeah, I think Baltimore could go to New England and beat them, um, and you'd probably look at a Baltimore San Francisco Super Bowl at this stage. 
uh, yeah, which would be imagine Lamar Jackson against that defensive line. I mean, what a, what mm-hmm. a prospect that would be. So. Yeah, although I still think, man, Russell Wilson, uh, I think San Francisco wants no part whatsoever of Russell Wilson anywhere in San Francisco or in Seattle, anywhere. I don't think any part, I don't think any part in the playoffs. You know, I think Seattle could easily go to New Orleans and turn New Orleans over. I think they could go to Green Bay and turn Green Bay over. I think they could, like you said, I think they could go to San Francisco and turn the 49ers over as they did two weeks ago. And you just, you marvel at the job that they did. You know, the coaching job that's being done by Pete Mm -hmm. Carroll and his assistants, but also just the, you know, the paucity of talent that they have on there, as I said earlier, on the offensive line, the skill positions. Russell Wilson is an absolute magician. It's his birthday today. He's only 31. I mean, imagine, you know, he's only he's just getting better and better and better. I've always been a huge fan of his, but he is just playing at a different level. It's so have, good to watch. I don't think it's crazy to say, to proclaim him now the best quarterback in the NFL. No, I, I think, think, he's, I think he's, he's achieved... I think he's achieved that number one spot. They used to go by the Bradys and the Rodgers and the Breeze. Nah, I think it's Russell Wilson now. He's the best. Yeah, I agree. In the NFL. And you look, you go back, you go back to, you know, I, uh, somebody that we know, somebody that used to hang around the forums years and years, you know, Keith, uh, Dr. Keith Box, um, a longtime friend of ours around the, around the forums. I can remember when Wilson was at NC State even before he went to Wisconsin and, and he and I were talking and a few of us were talking on one of the forums say, you know, Russell Wilson looks like the best quarterback in college football. And then people are like, no, he's five foot six and he's this, and he just can't do that. And he's four <laughs> foot nine. Again. And, you know, yes. exactly. And he, but you were like, I know this isn't the conventional trend in the NFL. I know everybody's supposed to be six foot four, but this guy is really, really good. Then he goes to Wisconsin. They go on a massive tear, almost, you know, get close to a national championship. He like, yep, he's still three foot seven, but he's absolutely, he's got a big arm. He makes all the throws. He's big. He can run. He's bright. What am I missing here? And you just look at, no, exactly. Exactly. So look at, look at Kyler Murray this year. Kyler Murray is having a spectacular season. Now he's going a little bit under the radar because his team is not good. Although his team is going to win like four or five games, six games, Mm. maybe. So he's gonna make a he's gonna make a big improvement in the win column too for that team. But he's gonna put up good numbers and he's gonna go under the radar because his team is not good. He's having trouble escaping the rush, but he's absolutely slinging it all over the field yeah. like if you were Dan Marino. So, he's throwing it really well. Yeah, so he has no problems. All right, let's close here with the with the Dolphins and what transpired yesterday. As we spoke about earlier in the show, it's looking like the Dolphins and the number two spot. Dare I say it's looking kind of very likely right now. Does that change your mind as far as how this draft goes now? Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I was going to say we should talk briefly about what happened at the weekend in college football. It's so I think it's so interesting. Chris and I were talking about this this morning in terms of oh, in terms of because so much is unknown at the moment. So much is unknown with regards to it. And you know, at what point are we really going to know? You know, if you're in the second pick, if you're Chris Greer, it's amazing to have nine picks in the first two rounds in the next two years, but. If your heart is really set on tour, as we believe it has been, as Rich Eisen said that he had been told it had been, as numerous people have said that tour was my, has always been Miami's guy. At what point do you think? At what point do you think it's worth the risk to take him at second overall? At what point do you think if it's not worth the risk, how far can you drop down to take him? Can you go to four? Can you go to six? Can you go to eight? What if somebody moves up? What if Denver take him? What if, you know, what if, what if, what if? 
Right. I mean, to me, Joe, Joe Burrow is now the number one. Joe Burrow is the number one draft pick in the draft. He's the number one pick, and I don't think there's anything that's going to change that. I think he fits Zach Taylor's system. Um, you know, I think he's just smart and uh, intelligent. And, uh, you know, you talk to LSU people, you look around the, 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 what people are saying who are involved with that team. He is a massive leader in that, in that clubhouse. Uh, and he's just playing really, really well. You know, he's dominating in the SEC. You, know, you look at what he's done. He's beaten Auburn and Florida at home, but he's gone on the road to Texas and he's gone on the road to Alabama and beaten both teams, you know, there are 105,000 people at Bryant Denny. Yeah. You're playing, you're playing a team that's played in the two of the, the last two national championship games. You're playing a team that's, you know, with the best quarterback in college football against yeah, and you I'm pretty sure, with and the I'm pretty best sure skill we, position. We all agree that, uh, that Tua Tagovailoa is our guy and he's who we think is the best quarterback coming out in this draft. But you got to, it's pretty clear. Uh, Joe Burrow yeah. outplayed him in that game. You got, yeah. You've got to hold your hands up and say, you know what? This kid has done everything and more that has been asked of him and what he's doing. And somebody was getting into it me yesterday on Twitter going, oh yeah, but he's Jamar Chase and he's got Justin Jefferson. He's got Jefferson and Chase and Edwards Hilaire and, and Thaddeus Moss and blah. Well, that's not Joe Burrow's fault, you know? And much yeah. as the argument, much as the argument where people said, yeah, but two has got Judy and Ruggs and Devonta Smith and uh, and Jalen Waddle and uh, and Najee Harris. Yep, he he has, but the ball still has to get there. It still has to get there on time, on target. It still has to get them in stride. It still has to get in the back shoulder, and that's what you know. That's what they do. That's what they do. And Burrow does that to an, you know, he's delivering week after week after week, and you just can't see it slowing down. And if if LSU if LSU win the national championship. Joe Burrow will have beaten Auburn, Florida, Alabama, Texas, Georgia again in the SEC championship game. Sorry, not Georgia again. So he'll beat an Auburn, Florida, Alabama, Texas, Georgia in the SEC championship game, and then potentially either Utah, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, or a another. Yeah, but in the play in the semi-final, so I suspect LSU will be the one seed and, and, and Ohio State the two seed, or vice versa. So if LSU are the one seed, they'll play the four seed, which would probably be at this stage would probably be Utah. So that, that you know, there's another big team that you beat, and then a national championship game against either Ohio State or, or Clemson. If he wins out, I mean, it's hard to argue that he hasn't. I can't think of a quarterback that has that run. He has the possibility, of, if you think about it, he has a possibility to beat in one season Jake Fromm, Tua Tungavailoa, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Trevor Lawrence Fields. And Justin Fields. <laughs> and uh, uh, Sam uh, I'm missing somebody. I, mean, I know I'm missing somebody in that list. Sam Ellinger, Bo Nix. I mean, he's beating good players. Yeah. He's doing it on the road. You, you don't go to Longhorn Stadium, and, you know, that, that's no joke down there. You know, it's no joke at Brighton. I mean, I've been, I've been to LSU, Alabama. That is no joke at, in that stadium. You know, when the when the I mean, that is an intimidating place when that that chant gets going before before kickoff. I mean, that is you know, you walk out there and you're like, you know, if you're not made of stern stuff, then you shoot yourself. And he came out and was what was he, sixteen of sixteen or sixteen of eighteen? And you know, yeah. they were up thirty three sixteen or thirty three eleven at some point. You just think, Christ, this is. <laughs> and then the flip side of that, obviously, is you know, you look at last night. Chris and I talked about this. You look at last night. And you look at what Nick Bosa did last night. You look at what Nick Bosa has done this season. Yes. And the Green Bay Packers were held to eight points. The Green Bay Packers with one of the greatest throwing Nick quarterbacks. Bosa, Nick Bosa. There was one play in particular where Nick Bosa picked up Brian Bulaga and threw him at Aaron yeah. Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers just looked to his right like, why, why is Brian Bulaga flying at me? He walked. 
David Bakhtiari back into Aaron Rodgers' lap. He walked it back six yards into his lap. You're like, yeah. that's not possible. How are you doing that? And you've got to look at that and, and look at what that defensive line did and how they just, you know, the Packers had eight points. The Packers had, well, I think were 0 of 14 or 1 of 14 on third downs. This is Aaron Rodgers. This is yeah. this generation's Dan Marino. Yeah, Nick Bosa has been the worst kept secret in the history of football, I believe, because and yet, since he was a freshman at St. Thomas Aquinas. That's high school. Folks. Yeah. Everybody was talking about him like, no, nah, this guy's going to be something else. But I'm people like, at Ohio about a State. freshman in high school? I'm like, I know, yes, right? A freshman in high school. People yeah. at Ohio State say that Chase Young is better than Nick Bosa. The people that have been around him. Oh, I mean, I don't, but this is, this is from the people that have been around him. They yeah. say he's better than Nick Bosa. You know, he's, if he hasn't signed me up, and then I guess we'll just trade up for, for Tua. He's, then he's that's three, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's three sacks away from breaking Ohio State's all-time sack record, held by Mike Vrabel. I mean, come on. I mean, this guy is, you know, you look what he did at the weekend. I mean, he was, this was Penn State. This isn't, you know, he wasn't being Talladega Tech or, you know, Western Alabama or whoever it was, you know. This was, a, this was Penn State. That he, he was, was severely he was outclassing those guys. Uh, oh, mate, it was ridiculous. I think he had four tackles for loss, three sacks, two forced fumbles, one recovered fumble, nine tackles. It was insanity. He was just everywhere. And you look, you have to think, uh, I'm not saying you should do it, but the devil's advocate in you will think, what if, what if I packaged, what if I take Chase Young at two and then package together what might be 21, 27, and uh, the Texans pick next year? to move up and take Tua? Hmm. Or do you look at that game yesterday that the Dolphins played and think we have too many holes to do that? We have too many issues. Why, do I, why would I take it? Look, if we're going to get rid of a left tackle that we think is too reliant on his own ability, as in he's on an island, therefore he's one and four in terms of the numbers of offensive line, not a group of five. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. Tunsil was so good. And that's the point that they made, isn't it? That's the point that Flores and Greer made. They said that Laramie was almost so good that he was, he was one offensive lineman and there were four other guys just struggling because you just stuck him on a night. And that's fine. But you look at New England and they've always had under Brady, they've always had, it's always been a unit, hasn't it? You've always had those guys yeah. together. There's, no been, there's not been a banner left tackle. And any time somebody a, was getting ready to get paid, like Matt Light or Nate Solder, they just gone. Gone. And, and even Light and Solder were, you know, decent, but not, yeah, not uh, great. Above average tackles, but yeah, you know, not great. But not, they're not in Tunsil's class. No. So do you then wonder, you know what? You know, if you flip that to the defensive line, do you really need a one absolute stallion because they've never, apart from Chandler Jones, they've never really had in new England. I know we keep comparing everything to new England, but that's kind of all we have to go on. They've never really had a chase young type, you know, where everything is just so focused on young. Cause that's not what new England does really. And that's why Chandler Jones. Was yeah, really and, you can say, and you can absolutely say that. And what did they get for Chandler Jones? They got uh, a two twos, right? Is what they mm, got for Chandler that's right. Jones. Yeah, you could say that the Patriots absolutely lost that trade because yeah, he was the only player in the past five seasons. Who, yeah, he's the only player in the past five seasons who's got ten or more sacks. Yeah, each of those years, and he's he's brilliant. I mean, he's having he's having the most underrated Hall of Fame career that you could ever ever think of. Yeah, but do does the defense that they're going to run, and clearly the defense that they are running, does that 
necessitate mm-hmm. somebody of Chase Young's ability, which I know sounds weird if you're listening and you're, yeah. you know, you're not. But if you know what the Patriots' defense does, you know what the Flores' defense does, it's about contain. It's about not getting too far up the field. It's about keeping within your rush lanes. It's about being able to flip inside and out. The reason the Dolphins were so hard for Trey Flowers was because Flowers did a lot of his rushing from outside, from inside out was that he never, ever got too far up the field in terms of allowing a quarterback to get to step up and then move out of the position that you've vacated. Like, look at Adrian Claiborne was, was benched for the last three weeks of the regular season last year for the Patriots because he was too much of a, a guy that would come up the arc, go further up the field, and then get almost get behind the quarterback. And then the quarterback would just step up and move into that position. And, and Claiborne was a healthy scratch because he just couldn't work out mm-hmm. what, what Bill Belichick and what Steve Belichick were trying to get him to do and what Flores was trying to get him to do, which was just stay contained. And you wonder whether or not Chase Young just has too much of that edge pressure yeah, all you need to know is yesterday when they were promoting the, the Cowboys and Patriots game, they were showing uh, number one offense versus the number one defense. And on the number one offense side, they showed a picture of Dak Prescott with a smaller picture of the entire offensive line, Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper. On the Patriots side, all they showed was Gilmore, Calvin Noy, and Patrick Chung. That's all yeah. you need to know. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking it up now as we, uh, as we talk. I mean, who... Who do you think is the Patriots' leading sacker this season? Wow. Uh, I mean, I've, I, don't, I don't have an answer yet. I'm, I'm just looking myself. But I'm probably, um, It's probably going to be Chase Winovich. I think he has like five and a half or something like that. And they have a bunch of guys over three or four. So I, It could be Chase Winovich. Let me just get it to... It so could be Chase Winovich. The leading sacker... So they've got a guy with six, a guy with three, a guy with five and a half, a guy with one, a guy with three, a guy with three, a guy with one, a guy with four and a half, a guy with one, a guy with five and a half. Yeah, I think the guy with six has to be Chase Winovich, no? No, it's Jamie Collins. Okay. Jamie Collins has got six. Dante Hightower's got three. Carl Van Noy's got five and a half. Uh, Lawrence Guy's, Guy's got one. Danny Shelton's got three. John Simon's got three. Alandon Roberts has got one. Winovich has got four and a half. Oh, so Winovich has fallen off a cliff because I think he had them all in the first three weeks of the season. Dietrich Wise has got one. I tell you, he's got five and a half. Jesus. I mean, talk about an under-the-radar defensive tackle is Adam Butler. Mm. God, he's a free agent. Not this season, next season. Now we talked Five about the good. Six. We talked about the good in college, but on the way out here, let's talk about the yeah. bad. Justin Herbert. Yeah, man. And, yeah, I mean, and it was not a good game guys. for quarterbacks. It was not a good game for quarterbacks this weekend. No, and, and, uh, and two other guys that, I, and I have to mention them. Uh, Jordan Love is capable of so much, but yeah, I, at some point you had to blame him for these absolute blowouts. Yeah. Like he's he's also not putting too many points on the board. Like that has no, to be I mean, on him too. And at some point you have to stop saying that, you know, he's got new coaches and new offensive line and new skill position players. I yeah, know it must be up. difficult, yeah, go but go you've go got go to, you know, that's, touchdowns on somebody, you know what I mean? that's not the reason why you're, you're making so many bad throws. And at this point, if I'm Jordan Love, I go back to college for a year and I, I actually transfer and I might go to Oklahoma or I might go to LSU. Yeah. You know, I, like I, or yeah. I might go to Alabama. If Tua comes out, I might go somewhere. I, he needs to be coached properly, and he's not being, and it's affecting his future. I would not be surprised if he goes back. Then you look at Jake Fromm. I, I thought Fromm was really average at the weekend. 
I, I just didn't like what I saw. And I don't think he's had an amazing season. I think he's been good. I don't think I, he's been great. I, I think that, he's been... And, and let me say something about Jake Fromm. A, a huge, massive red flag that every Dolphin fan or every fan of the draft in general that wants to mock Jake Fromm to Miami at 16 or 17 or 18, wherever the, the Pittsburgh Steelers pick is going to be, uh, start rethinking that. Because yeah. if you watched him in that game, he was flat out struggling with a wet ball. Yeah. And then uh, Chris uh, mentioned to me in the WhatsApp chat when I, when I said, you know what, this guy is, is having – he is fighting the rain in this game. And Chris was telling me that's always a thing with him. Yeah. If you go back and you look at his game against Kentucky, he always struggles with a wet ball. And I mentioned to him, you know, well, that's great because it never rains here in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder about two things about Jake from I wonder – whether or not he comes out, because I don't think he's had the year that he feels like he's had mm-hmm. uh, or that feels like he should have had. Um, and the second thing is, I wonder whether or not he falls out in the first round. Um, because yeah. I think people will see him as a system quarterback, uh, whether yeah, that's true or not, not. But Yeah, stock is not up on Jake Trump. No, stock is not up. But i tell you who the stock is down most on is Justin Herbert. Absolutely. I mean, Justin Herbert had just a dreadful game but not a dreadful game that's a little bit unfair he had a very he had a bad game and I'll tell you why I had a bad game is because and we talked about it and I wrote something on Sunday morning after I, I watched the first half went to bed it was like 2 o'clock in the morning went to bed got up and watched the second half he just did that game against Arizona State was essentially the epitome of Justin Herbert's career in one single game which was maddening inconsistency mixed with terrific throw. I mean, he made three or four wow throws where you just go, great. Yeah, made an early throw on a, on a sort of an intermediate seam route, which was just zipped in. I think if you were on the field, you probably could have heard it whistling by. He made a couple of back shoulder throws. He made an absolutely beautiful sort of drop in the bucket throw to, to, to Johnson, his, um, his, his wide receiver, the guy that wears number three. Just beautifully, didn't have to change pace, didn't have to change stride, didn't have to slow down, dropped him right in the bucket. And you're just like, beautiful and then he came to the line of scrimmage and he uh, they'd essentially set up a, a sort of a receiver screen to the to the perimeter where the front receiver was just blocking off the the first corner and it was a job of the second quarter the second receiver to try and just it was mannery manner essentially you got three yards to get into the to the end zone beat your man that's it and he just threw it into the ground and he's just mm-hmm. like that is ju- that is you to an absolute t you've just made one brilliant throw and now you've just thrown it into the ground yeah. and then his interception the interception that i mean both of his picks cost them points. But the first one was just such a bad throw. It was such a bad throw because he had the guy open at the, at the top of his stem and, and he didn't throw it. He, and Kirk Herbstreet said it on the, on the – Kirk obviously was a quarterback at Ohio State. Kirk was like, he did, you know, he's late throwing the ball. Then uh, uh, the, the guy is still open, but it's tight coverage, but it's still open. He inexplicably throws it to the inside. If he throws it outside, it's either caught by his receiver or Jones, the cornerback, number 24, plows through him and it's pass interference. Either way, you're not missing. He throws it to the inside and it's picked off. And you just think, what are you doing? That's such a bad throw. And worse still was he had a wide open drag route across the middle for a first down and probably more because they'd rolled the safety over mm. to, to the two receivers set at the, uh, uh, on the boundary. And you just think, I, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what you're seeing. Uh, to me, it's just inexplicable mistakes. And the biggest issue for me is that Justin Herbert is a four-year starter. Or a yeah. and, and people are like, oh, he doesn't have rugs and he doesn't have 
T. Higgins and he doesn't have these guys and blah, blah, blah. And he has Oregon, Oregon and he has the Pac-12. Oregon, are the six, they were the sixth ranked team in the country for a reason. They're the sixth ranked team. In the country. Let's not mm-hmm. make out like they were, you know, let's not make out that they're, you know, they're in the MAC and they're, you know, the, the 25th ranked team in the nation. This is not SNU. You know, this is not, you know, Oklahoma State. This is, Utah this State. Is the, this is the sixth ranked team in the nation. You've got the best left tackle in college football in, in Penai Sewell. You've got Shane Lemieux, the guard, who's going to be a, probably a day two, early day three pick in the draft. You've got Calvin Throckmorton at right tackle, who's going to get drafted probably on the third day. You've got players. You've got Johnson, the receiver. You've got good running backs. Let's not make out that he's just, you know, he's, he's doing what he's doing with nothing. You go back two years and look at Justin Herbert's game. You go back a year and look at Justin Herbert's game. He is making the exact same mistakes and the exact same inconsistencies that he was doing on Saturday night as he's done last year, as he's done the year before. And for me, if you cannot, after four years, and look, four years of good coaching as well, you know, if you cannot do what he's been doing, Across four years, a guy that's been talked up as an NFL starting quarterback and a high first round draft pick for three years, if you cannot improve in those areas and year after year, game after game, play after play, you're making the same inconsistent mistakes. At what point in the NFL are you going to suddenly get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're no, not. And, and it happened also with, with Jordan Love. Jordan Love on one play, and I mentioned it on the WhatsApp chat between us three, and uh, he rolls to his right and is under considerable duress and it looks like he's throwing it away and he kind of throws it almost sidearm off of one foot falling out of bounds and it crosses 32 yards over the linebacker's head in front of the safety to a corner I mean to a receiver that was that was full speed going out of bounds catches it right on the boundary yeah and I mentioned there's two quarterbacks that can make that throw on the planet and that's Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers yeah he's three plays later three plays later he throws a balloon to the field side yeah. on a three-yard hitch that gets pick six. <laughs> yeah. He is capable you know I mean? of, of more – he's capable of bigger wow throws than any quarterback in this draft. Yes. Any quarterback. I, I, I put that above Tua. I mean, and then he throws you know, that, I, balloon, that balloon pick six yeah. <laughs> three-yard hitch to the field Tua, side Tua, that you're, you're wondering to yourself, like, why would you do something like this? Yeah. Two is the best quarterback I've seen in college football. And I watched a lot of college football and I've watched a lot of college football back to the early eighties with Terrell Buckley and Steve Taylor and Gordy Lockbaum and, you know, Andy Kelly at Tennessee and all these kids, you know, Trevor, uh, Trevor Cobb at Rice, all these players back in the eighties who were, you know, tearing it up. I've watched a lot of college football, you know, I didn't see John Elway at Stanford because uh, 83 was the year I started following the game, but, he, he, two is the best quarterback I've seen in college since Andrew Luck. And then the best quarterback I'd seen from 84 onwards in college football was probably Peyton Manning. So you look mm-hmm. at Luck, Manning, and then it goes back to, to Elway. So that's, that's how high I rate Tua. I think Trevor Lawrence is spectacular. You know this. I, I mentioned Trevor Lawrence three years ago in the WhatsApp chat. As people know, I went to see him to the magazine piece on him. Absolutely love the kid. And I think he's going to be a, a truly special NFL talent. And also, Clemson, dark, talking about dark horse under the radar for the national champion. You know, everybody knows Clemson, Clemson. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think he's thrown 20 touchdowns and no interceptions in the last five or six games. Clemson just been trucking people since they just squeaked past NC State, just quietly going about their business. Defense looking strong. Now, there's a, you know, 
there's a team you don't want to meet in a dark night in a, in a college football playoff. But Jordan Love is capable of throws better than the best quarterback I've seen in college football since Andrew Luck. The best mm. quarterback I've seen since Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning and the best quarterback I've seen since Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning and John Elway. That's a massive statement about Jordan Luck. But, Jordan Luck. but what he has to do is A, be coached and B, eliminate those absolutely boneheaded plays. The question is, can he do it? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. It's it's really going to come down to that. And I don't know if you know if you have the time to do it. If if you're going to use a, dra- a first round draft pick on him, I, you got to figure I, I, he has to play a year in. So is a year enough time to to get that out of him? And I think if he said, I think well, look at but then look at the difference. Jalen Hurts is look at Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the difference Jalen Hurts is uh, to his game in a year, because. When Jalen Hurts, when Clemson won the national championship, when Deshaun Watson hit um, Hunter Renfro for the touchdown in Tampa Stadium, Jalen Hurts almost won that game, almost single-handedly. Touchdown to OJ Howard down the left sideline, and then the, the, the 34, 36-yard run, you know, with a minute and a half to play. And at that point, you're like, and even then, what, three, four years ago, even then, we were still like small quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, but nobody else really, and then Baker, and then Kyler, and then Tua. Do you know what I mean? The, the, yeah. the small quarterback revolution has, hasn't really been going for, for that long. But you look at, you look at Jalen, I always thought he'd be a fascinating evaluation in terms of could somebody get a hold of him and really turn him into a pro quarterback? Because that probably wasn't going to happen at Alabama. And the only reason that Tua... It, the the only reason that they've proed it up for Tua is that because he came from such a you know he came from a essentially a a pro style but a June Jones system in a St Louis high school in in Hawaii you know he was always seen as a pro ready quarterback he was a pro style it was always that way whereas Jalen obviously wasn't he was a running back and then a running quarterback um, but Lincoln, the job that Lincoln Riley's done is astonishing if you're Jordan Love you have to be having conversations with family members, close confidants, whoever, and think, can I get to, you know, do I come out in the draft, sit a year, potentially be a second round pick or maybe a, you know, a late first round pick because somebody, somebody like the Saints or the Patriots might draft me and sit me for two or three years or two years and I lose a bit of money because I'm, gonna, you know, I'm the 29th pick and I only make $4 million, only make $4 million. Or <laughs> yes. do, do, I go to, do I go and work under Lincoln Riley uh-huh. You know, because look, Spencer Rattler was the best quarterback in high school football, but he's and a, go he's a true freshman. Million yeah. <laughs> can I? Yeah, Spencer Rattler will happily sit for his sophomore season, or he can take a red shirt and then come back and, and still quarterback Oklahoma for two or three years. That's fine. But Jordan Love must be thinking. I tell you what, if I went to work under Lincoln Riley and I eradicated all the problems, and and he does to me what he's done to Jalen Hurts, I could be pushing Trevor Lawrence and Brock Purdy and. Adrian Martinez and um, Justin Fields uh, and Sam Ellinger and these other guys. I could be pushing them to be number one overall if I have the transformation. Yeah, absolutely. That can you imagine Jordan Love? It's not Love beyond the being, realms of possibility. Yeah, can you imagine if Jordan Love goes to Oklahoma, he's going to put up the big numbers. And he's yeah, gonna, LA, it means he's going to be on that stage in New York. Can you imagine, imagine a he goes big, to LSU. strong, strong-arm quarterback on that stage in New York, even if he doesn't right. win the Heisman? He's going to go Imagine if he goes to LSU. Him. You know, you look at the receivers, Jamal Chase to work with, or, uh, you know, and some of those receivers that he's, you know, 
I, I think that has to be playing in Jordan Love's mind. Do I make $4 million as the 29th pick and sit for two years under Tom Brady because Brady signs a new two-year contract? Do I do all under Drew Brees or, or whatever? Or do I go back and work under Lincoln Riley, the, the best quarterback, best offensive coach, best offensive mind in college football, who's just revitalized, not revitalized, who's um, rebuilt Jalen Hurts into a potential top 40 draft pick? Mm-hmm. And do I go from a $4 million, pound, $4 million man to a... $25 billion third overall pick because yeah. that is not beyond the realms of possibility. He has the absolute talent to do that, but he has to eradicate the dumb shit from his game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, we gave you a lot. We gave you general NFL talk. We talked about all the quarterbacks this past weekend. Next week, we will have Chris Kaufman here with you. I, I promise you. Okay. He will be here with us, but you got me and you got Simon this week. So we gave you a your... slam of chat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But yeah, enjoy your Thanksgiving day. On yeah, Thursday. Thanksgiving, enjoy the everyone. football. What are you going to be doing on Thanksgiving? Is that not a thing over there? I mean, I'll be. It's not a thing over here. I'll be working, and then I watch the games in the evening. So, um, <laughs> okay. but it's not not a thing over here. I can't wait to watch the uh, the Driscoll Trubisky Bowl. That's going to be huge. You know, the great thing about Thanksgiving is that you're there with f- friends and family, and you're just staring at this game like if it's the Super Bowl, because <laughs> <laughs> they treat it as such here in the in the united states but all right enjoy your thanksgiving holiday we will talk to you guys next week thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on podbean or your usual podcast provider Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.